In this very special episode, we're bringing back an interview I'd done with a former client, a therapist and former podcast host of the Compassion Fatigue Podcast. We discuss the very important topic of mental health benefits of fitness. You'll hear about research and exercise's role in reducing symptoms of depression, anxiety, and other mental health conditions. We also talk about practical strategies to set yourself up to feel your absolute best, both inside and out. If you've been around, then you know how much we talk about mindset here. So I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. Coach Alex here from A-Team Fitness. Thanks for listening as I share incredible transformation stories directly from the source themselves, the individuals doing the work and seeing the results. We'll take a behind the curtain peek at the mental and physical changes that make for amazing transformations. I'm glad you're here. And after the episode, I hope you feel empowered to begin making some transformative changes of your own. Let's dive in. Hi, Alex. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Compassion Fatigue Podcast. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Jennifer. Absolutely. So Alex and I met probably a few months ago, and I have personally used him as a fitness trainer to help me get back into an exercise routine, both for the physical benefits, but really also the mental health benefits. And Alex is going to speak more about the mental health benefits of exercise. And so Alex, I think when a lot of people think of exercise, they're more likely to think about the physical benefits, right? Losing weight, gaining muscle, gaining strength. But can you speak more about the benefits of exercise from a mental health perspective? Absolutely. And I think the mental health component is often overlooked by a lot of people, like you mentioned, who tend to hang themselves up on the physical portions of a fitness program and forgetting about the mental benefits because there are tons of them and they can help improve our lives just as much, if not more so than the physical benefits. And so there have been numerous studies done, a lot more research lately on the mental health aspects of fitness. And there are a couple of key benefits that we can get from that. The first and arguably one of the most important is improved mood. And so studies show that exercise can actually alleviate many of the symptoms of depression and anxiety through a, a variety of different mechanisms. And in fact, one study that they did, they, had a, they gathered a group of men and women who were clinically depressed, and they separated them into four different groups. Two of them involved exercise. One was a structured exercise routine. Another one was just an at-home fitness program. Uh, the third group took an antidepressant um, with nothing else. And then the fourth group was on a placebo pill. And what they found is that the improvements in their symptoms between the exercise groups and the antidepressant groups were pretty much comparable, um, and both of which were better than the placebo group. So we know that regular exercise and engaging in physical activity in kind of all sorts of fashions can improve these symptoms and improve our overall mood. And so that's a, that's a huge mental health benefit that we can get from that. A couple of other things, like I said, it helps reduce anxiety um, and reduce a lot of symptoms that are involved in that. We get a lot better sleep as a result of that, which can then kind of indirectly improve some of these other mental health functions just by getting better sleep. Uh, and moderate intense exercise can improve not only the quality of sleep, but also how long we can sleep, particularly in people who suffer from insomnia. Regular exercisers fall asleep sooner and stay asleep longer than non-exercisers. Stress reduction is another big thing. Exercise can lower chronic stress levels and improve it over the long term, which again can loop back around to better sleep and improve mood and increase energy levels and all these other great things. 
but it also can improve our brain health kind of more physically, the mental, the actual physical portion of our brain. It can improve that. We can improve our memory and our learning, and it can prevent cognitive decline through a variety of different physiological mechanisms that happen in the brain as a result of being physically active. Some of the hormones that are produced, um, the increased blood flow, uh, all of these things combined just can have a lot of health benefits for us and put us in a much better place. So there are tons of mental health benefits. Like I said, they're often overlooked, but they can do tremendous good in improving our quality of life. You know, Alex, I'm so glad that you brought up that study because I think we live in a very instant gratification type of society, right? Where we have all the world's information on our little computers that we carry around with us called cell phones. And I think we also live in a culture where we're so apt to just kind of go to our doctor and be prescribed an antidepressant or an anti-anxiety because, well, antidepressants are not instant, but I think people look at exercise and go, oh my God, it's, you know, it's not instant. It's, you know, it's going to take forever for this to kind of kick in. But unlike antidepressants and well, anti, first of all, anti-anxiety drugs are addictive. Antidepressants can make you gain weight. They can make you lose your sex drive. They can interfere with your sleep. And I'm not, I'm not dismissing the benefits of antidepressants. I think there's a time and a place, but I personally can attest to the benefits of exercising versus antidepressants. And you really touched on a lot of things from depression to anxiety to insomnia. These are some of the typical symptoms of compassion fatigue. So another symptom is anger. And I think that's something with a lot a lot of people in this type of field struggle with. Do you think that getting more active can help with managing anger? The stress reduction that I mentioned before, which, you know, another way of looking at stress reduction is increasing your relaxation or your ability to relax. And exercise is a phenomenal outlet for some of those negative emotions and a much more productive arena to kind of explore some of those emotions than in a lot of other ways that anger might manifest itself through our relationships with others or in some of the actions that we engage in. Um, but getting getting out and going for a jog or getting in and lifting weights and participating in some resistance training will allow you to kind of use all of that pent up energy that you have and get it out of your system so that by the time you're done with your workout, you're just like, whew, like I feel a lot better. And I can personally attest some of my greatest workouts, whether I ran a time faster than I've ever run or I lifted a weight heavier than I've ever lifted have been when I've been kind of at in this negative place of having a lot of anger or a lot of stress from whatever might be going on in my life at the time. And so again, I think it's a phenomenal outlet to not only get rid of some of those negative emotions, but also explore them a little bit and kind of get to the bottom of it. Yeah, I really agree with you. And, you know, when I'm in the gym lifting weights, you know, I'm so focused on what I'm doing that it's hard to really put energy toward being angry or being depressed or having intrusive thoughts about, you know, some of the trauma that I've encountered in this work. It really seems like a, I don't, I hate to call it a distraction, but it's really more of a positive outlet. Correct. Absolutely. So can you explain, I guess, the biology behind how exercise helps? Absolutely. There's really three core biological mechanisms. Now, these aren't kind of an exhaustive list, but these are the big three that I would call. And the first is as a result of 
physical activity is the body will release these feel-good chemicals, these hormones, primarily being dopamine. And so dopamine, the reward chemical of the brain, we get it when we accomplish something really big, a goal that we've been achieving, working towards, or when we eat really good food, we kind of get the same feel-good hormones released. And so physical activity will do the same thing. And so after a workout, you'll feel a lot better. Again, this is why it improves our mood so well, because we we just feel really good afterwards. And so that's a huge component into what goes into the alleviation of the depressive symptoms is this dopamine release and these feel-good chemicals. Another big one as it relates to kind of the stress reduction and better sleep is it reduces cortisol. And so cortisol is the stress hormone of the body that's generally released anytime we're undergoing stress. And sometimes the stress can be beneficial, right? So if we think about the fight or flight response, if we're in immediate danger and we need to get out of the situation or deal with whatever's going on at the time, having this hormone release can, can prepare our body for, to act in whatever way we need to, to preserve ourselves. Now, the problem with cortisol is when it's chronically released, if we're chronically stressed and we never get a chance for our body to relax and for our nerves to relax, then it can lead to a lot of negative outcomes, poor sleep, weight gain, and fat accumulation, particularly around the midsection is a kind of a telltale sign of excessive cortisol release. And so by engaging in regular physical activity, you can actually reduce the amount of cortisol, helping you relax helping you uh, relieve some of that stress and, like I said, improving sleep and some of those other benefits. So reducing cortisol is another big one. The last one is as you exercise, you increase your core temperature as a result of the energy that you're producing to engage in the movement. And so this is why we sweat, we get warm. Our body is very finicky with our core temperature. If we think about you know, the normal body temp, if we go even a couple of degrees in either direction, it can be pretty severe in terms of our health and even fatal in many cases. So our body is really good at maintaining one core body temperature. And as we exercise, we heat up due to creating all that energy. And that's why we sweat is to cool ourselves down. But as our core temperature begins to drop, we release another hormone called melatonin. And so melatonin is the hormone that makes us sleepy at night. It allows us to fall asleep when it's time to go to sleep at the end of the day. And it's released as a result of our core body temperature decreasing. And so right as nighttime comes around, before we go to sleep, our core temperature will naturally start to drop as a result of our circadian rhythm. And we release that melatonin and again, we fall asleep. This is also why it's easier to sleep in a colder room because your core temperature will be a little bit lower, releasing the same hormone. As we exercise and we increase our core body temperature, now as we begin to cool down when that exercise is over, through sweat and through just no longer being active, we still release that melatonin, even though we're not necessarily preparing ourselves for sleep. And that increase in melatonin will then help us sleep later in the day when we decide to finally fall asleep. So that raising and dropping core body temperature leads to that extra melatonin, which helps us sleep better, uh, which again, indirectly affects some of those other mechanisms. So those are the big three, the release of the dopamine, the reduction of the cortisol, and the release of the melatonin as a result of the core body temperature changes.
Wow. And, and so now, Alex, you know this from working with me personally, that if you put me on a treadmill, I give you this look like I want to scratch your eyeballs out, right? <laughs> so uh, not, not a fan uh, of the treadmill. So does the type of exercise matter? So, you know, you have your cardio, you have your strength training, you have yoga, you have all these different types of activities. Does it matter or do they all have similar health benefits? So that's a great question, Jennifer. And it's important to first point out that any physical activity, regardless of the form, whether it's yoga or strength training, cardio exercise, um, whatever it may be, you can still get a lot of these benefits just by moving your body and being physically active. Now, studies have shown that aerobic exercise, cardio exercise, things like running, biking, swimming, hiking, these kind of rhythmic, repeatable movements that you do over an extended period of time will actually produce greater changes in the brain than strength training. And what I mean by that is uh, a protein called BDNF, or brain-derived neurotrophic factor, is a protein in the brain that's responsible for generating new brain cells, um, which can help with improved learning and memory and some of those other kind of brain-specific and mental benefits that I discussed earlier. This protein is released into a greater degree with aerobic exercise than with strength training. So there is some additional benefit to doing cardio for some of these specific mental health benefits. And generally speaking, with the aerobic exercise, it is intensity dependent. So research shows now that moderately intense, longer duration cardio exercise for approximately 20 to 40 minutes is going to give you the greatest increase in this protein that's going to help you get some of these mental health benefits. And what I mean by moderately intensity is about 50 to 70% of your maximum heart rate. And it's very simple to find your maximum heart rate. All you have to do is take your age and subtract it by 220. And that's your 100% beats per minute maximum heart rate. And then you take about 50 to 70% of that. And that's your beats per minute that you generally want to stay at while you're completing this exercise for about 20 to 40 minutes. And so will people also get uh, similar benefits, uh, maybe not uh, to the degree that you mentioned with cardio, but if they prefer to do weight training or yoga or, or any other type of exercise, are they also going to reap those mental health benefits? Absolutely. Like I said before, kind of do any physical activity that you can engage in is going to give you those mental health benefits. This, the cardio is just going to give you kind of that extra leg up and increase that protein a little bit more so than in others. So the study they did where they compared the cardio versus the strength training, both groups showed increases in this protein being generated by the brain. The cardio group just had it to a greater degree. So you, yes, you will absolutely see benefits regardless of the physical activity that you're participating in. And I really like the fact that you brought up the the rhythmic factor of cardio because what we know about chronic trauma or complex trauma, is what we call it, is the way that the brain likes to process that type of trauma is through rhythm. So that could be walking or running or swimming or even playing the drums. Anything that really has this kind of steady rhythm, the brain seems to really respond to when it's trying to process trauma. So how often should people aim for each week or, or maybe each day to really get those mental health benefits? Another great question. So the current kind of standard for cardiovascular exercise we're talking about now, and this can really transcend to any form of exercise, is approximately 30-minute workouts about three to five days per week is enough to get kind of all of these mental health benefits that we've been talking about. So. Pretty modestly speaking, 
30 minute, it could be a 30 minute walk, a 30 minute jog, biking, swimming, again, really anything you want to participate in three days a week being the minimum, but really shooting for four or five. So you can really see the most benefit from these workouts. Okay. And, and so I have some clients that say, oh, well, you know, I'm an animal control officer or I'm a dog walker. So I get exercise at work. Now, is there a difference in the type of movement and activity that you get on the job versus like a really focused workout routine? That's a good question. So the physical activity that you'll get while you're on the job will generally be a little less intense than the physical activity that you participate in specifically focusing on your fitness. And this may not necessarily always be the case, but more often than not, it will be. And it can go in both directions. So in one case with the stress reduction in particular, reducing cortisol levels, they've actually found that lighter aerobic exercise will, will reduce cortisol levels greater than intense exercise will. So if you're a dog walker and you're out walking dogs and you're getting a lot of walking time in, that can actually be better for you in terms of the stress reduction and the cortisol reduction than sprinting on a treadmill after you get home from work. So you will get kind of more of a benefit there. In regards to some of these other benefits, it's, again, a moderately paced exercise. So between 15 70% of your maximum heart rate. So if you're getting your heart rate to that level while you're getting this on-the-job physical activity, then you're certainly going to get these benefits. For a lot of people, I don't think that would be the case. I think it will fall short a little bit. So I think it will definitely benefit them to, to get out and get this extra workout in on top of some of their other daily activities. But that being said, if the majority of their physical activity comes from on-the-job activities, then I still think they will be in a better place than had they been completely inactive in both scenarios. Yeah, and I would just like to add that I think it's also important for people to try to carve out some time for exercise during their off hours because when we're at work, we are really focused on, we're, we're still being other directed, we're focused on the job. Whereas if you exercise on your own time, you are taking that time out specifically for yourself to focus on yourself and your own self-care. Absolutely. Now, some people will say, gosh, you know, I am really struggling with depression or low motivation. I just can't seem to really kind of get that motivation. What kind of tips do you have for people that are that are struggling either with that low motivation or, or some serious depression? How do you recommend that they, they incorporate exercise? I think this is a great question. It goes back to what you were talking about earlier and the difference between physical activity and the use of antidepressants to help alleviate depressive symptoms. Like you said, taking the, the medication is the easier route. It doesn't take a lot of effort. And I think a lot of the reasons that more exercise isn't used to treat depression is the amount of effort that it takes to actually get out and do the activity. If you're not motivated and you you know have really bad symptoms of depression, it's hard to just get out and exercise. Um, as opposed to taking medication. So there are a couple of things that we can do to make it a little bit easier and make it more likely that we'll actually get out and engage in some of these activities. The first and the most important when you're first starting a fitness program is to start gradually. Too many people jump in thinking they have to go 100% in everything that they do with this. And what happens is that usually leads to burnout really quickly. It leads to a lack in motivation and it increases the risk for injuries, which again can put you on the sideline and kind of throw a, a wrench in all of your plans anyways. So starting very, very gradually, adding some additional walking into your day if you're not moving around a lot 
or just getting to the gym, starting with maybe once or twice a week outside of your work hours and gradually building up to that, that five, four or five days a week from there. As you see these small wins, which will build up over time, you'll improve your motivation and excitement towards your workouts. And that will grow over time to you wanting to attempt new challenges and more frequency and getting those extra workouts in. So that's the most important thing is starting gradually. A couple of other things you can do is to pick activities you enjoy. If you hate running and you're trying to force yourself to run because you know it's good for you, it's probably not going to work out very well. So finding something else like biking or swimming or hiking is going to be much more conducive to you actually getting out and doing the workouts if you actually are somewhat looking forward to whatever it is you're about to do as opposed to dreading it. And then lastly, picking something that you're good at. We all enjoy doing things we're really good at because we do well. People like to do well. And if you're doing something, say you have very little experience with biking and you're not very good at it, you're not very good at changing the gears so the hills are really hard or you're afraid of the traffic because you don't have a lot of experience, then it's going to be harder for you to do that activity and be excited for it. But if you pick something you're already pretty good at, like if you're a really good swimmer and you decide you want to do swimming, then again, those initial successes will build on each other over time so that you gain the confidence to go out and try different activities and do all of these other things to kind of have a, a well-rounded workout program. So starting gradually, picking activities you enjoy, and when in doubt, picking things you're already pretty good at will help you get a little bit more motivation to partake in those activities. I think that's really great advice. And and you you touched on this a, a little bit, but you know, so many animal caregivers are so busy. You know, they may work eight hours, five days a week at their animal caregiving job. Then a lot of them come home and they either have their own crew of rescue animals or they maybe they foster animals or maybe they, they participate in protests or you know things like that. So it, it's not really a, a nine to five type of job. And so so many people say, I'm, I'm just, I'm too busy. What advice do you have for sneaking in exercise in little bits throughout the day? So there's really two kind of key pieces of advice that I would give here. And you touched on it a little bit when you said it was important for people to take the extra time outside of working hours to get a workout in because when you're on the job, it's still not you time. But if you're doing it outside of work, it can really be all about you. And so I think really importantly, scheduling your workouts, very similar to how you would schedule a doctor's appointment, can help people be more accountable and stick to their workouts, even if they're really busy or even if they're, you know, have a lower motivation. And often what we see is it's as busy as people are, it's not so much a factor of insufficient time when it comes to getting in workouts. It's more a matter of prioritizing. If it's not, if it's low on our priority list, then we're going to want to do other things instead. And we're simply not going to have time. If we can schedule it in our workout, we block some time out at the end of the day or maybe early in the morning before we head into work and we devote that time to this knowing that it's going to give us, you know, put us in a better spot and allow us to do better work. And that's another important thing of fitness that I think a lot of people overlook is the productivity and the creativity and just generally being better at all the other activities we're going to do in life by being a little bit more fit is scheduling that time, putting that time slot in our schedule so that we can not only reap the benefits of that fitness program, but like I said, be better at the things we do at work and, and just get all the benefits from that. 
The second thing is to get creative with it. So we mentioned on the job, getting some activity in, whether you're a dog walker or some of these other things. So getting creative, not only at work, but also just kind of in the rest of your daily life. So we may have heard these tips often in the media, but taking the stairs whenever you can instead of the elevator when you have the chance will get you a little bit of extra, bump your heart rate up, give you some extra calories burned, some extra physical activity. Parking further away from things so you're forced to walk a little bit is a great way to get some extra activity in. And it's also important to remember that exercise can be done virtually anywhere with nothing but your body. There's plenty of bodyweight exercises like push-ups and squats and lunges. And, you know, we can use park benches to do exercises. There's, you know, is if you get creative enough, you can really create a workout just about anywhere you are at any time. And so that can also be a benefit to us if we have a really busy schedule, just finding time to fit it in. Maybe we're going to go for a walk during our lunch instead of sitting down or, like I said, taking the stairs instead of the elevator. So those two things, scheduling it in, making it a concrete time for us, and then getting creative with it are two great ways to sneak it in throughout the day. Yes, I think that so many people think, oh my gosh, I have to set aside an hour every single day. But you're right. I mean, you can you can get active anywhere. If you have an office, you can, you know, you can do some desk type exercises, you know, if you, you know, I bet if you timed all the time that it takes to smoke cigarettes and to gripe about your job, I bet that you, you'd end up with quite a bit of time that maybe could be better used walking. So for example, spend a half your lunch break walking, right? So that, I mean, that's a perfect way to sneak in some exercise. Absolutely. Another thing I want to point out too, and recent research is kind of showing this, you can get the same benefit of a 30-minute workout split into three 10-minute workouts. So you don't necessarily have to devote, like you said, a large chunk of time to doing your workout all at once. If it it's better fits your schedule and your lifestyle to do 10 minutes of activity here when you have some free time and then 10 minutes midday and then maybe 10 minutes in the evening, you can still get all of these benefits by splitting it up and lessening the burden of time at any one point, particularly when you have a busy schedule. Definitely. So like you said, you could do a little bit in the morning before you go to work, maybe a little bit on your break that I know you're all taking at work, right? And then maybe a little bit uh, when you come home. Now, is there any issue with working out late at night? I know sometimes people say, well, that's the only time I have. But for some people that maybe struggle with sleep issues, can that be a problem? This is kind of largely an individualistic thing. In terms of the research and kind of how our bodies react physiologically, there's no reason to be concerned about working out later into the evening and it affecting your sleep on a physiological level. Some people do report being a little bit more amped up at night as a result of exercising late into the evening. And I think it's largely intensity dependent. So if you're doing a really, really intense workout, I think there's a greater likelihood that you'll be a little bit more amped up going into the evening and when you're trying to fall asleep, as opposed to doing something a little bit more lighter, like a, just a walk around the block or, or you know, a light bike ride or something of that nature. So I would say in general, there's not much concern that should be there about working out late into the evening, particularly if that's the only time you have available. Doing the exercises can be better than putting it off, but this is something you really have to play around with kind of on an individual basis and see what works best for you. 
That makes a lot of sense. I kind of learned the hard way. So when I lift weights, I learned very quickly, okay, do not do this before bedtime. However, I have gotten into a weekly yoga class. Talk about the the best sleep ever. So there's something hmm. about yoga that really helps me sleep, something about lifting weights that, mm, no, got to do that earlier in the day. So yeah, I think like you said, it's, it's something you're going to have to, it's personal, you're going to have to play around with that. Any advice you would have for people who are thinking about starting or getting back into an exercise routine? Should they be seeing their doctor? Should they start off working with a trainer? What advice would you have for them? So getting, uh, you know, they always say, make sure you consult your physician before you start any exercise program. And I would definitely say that that's recommended. Uh, You should kind of always check with your doctor before you start any type of physical activity to make sure there's no underlying conditions that are going to come up out of nowhere on you that could make that physical activity dangerous. In other words, that being said, if you have no history of chronic disease or any pain or discomfort with exercise above and beyond the usual out of shape discomfort, you know, heavy breathing and and the like, then typically you'll be okay to start a fitness program without seeing your doctor. But again, it's usually always recommended that you do so just to be on the safe side. And again, make sure there's nothing underlying that's just kind of dormant waiting for an intense heart rate spike from exercise or something like that to kind of kick itself into gear. But regardless, definitely recommend starting slow and gradually increasing the intensity. So not jumping in with both feet, but testing the water with the toes a little bit first. Um, Start with a day or two of moderate intensity activity, increase the number of days, and then start increasing the intensity after that. As your body adapts to these physical demands, you'll be able to increase the intensity and this will, this kind of gradual increase will help you prevent a lot of injuries that people get when they first start out by starting too quickly and, and all at once. In terms of working with a trainer, it really depends on a couple of things. If it's just kind of typical cardio that you're doing, walking, running, biking, hiking, swimming, generally speaking, you can do those things without a trainer. They can help you program some of your workouts a little bit, but for the most part, that's, that's something you can largely do on your own. Granted, if you struggle with the motivation to do those things, sometimes having a trainer can help keep you accountable and and give you a reason to actually do that exercise. So that could be something else to take into consideration. Uh, If you're thinking about starting some sort of strength training program and you don't have a lot of experience, then I definitely recommend starting with a trainer. They can teach you proper form and make sure you're being safe and, and doing everything correctly. Um, But another thing to think about is the social aspect of it. So a lot of people like being in that environment, like a yoga class or a boot camp class where they have some camaraderie with these other people kind of doing these exercises together. It helps keep them motivated, help keep them accountable. If you know you're one of those people that if it's just you by yourself, you're probably not going to do it, then you may want to look into a program that has a more group oriented aspect to it. And again, this isn't for everybody and there's a lot of benefits to working out on your own. Personally, I think it's very meditative to be on my own when I exercise, but everybody's not like that. Some people need that extra social aspect. So that could be something else to keep in mind when you're starting out. But definitely starting gradually is kind of the biggest thing to keep in mind as you begin a new fitness program. So for those listeners who may be in the metro Detroit area, I would highly recommend Alex for personal training, but I understand that you are now offering online coaching. Can you can you tell us more about well, both of those services really? Absolutely. So the online coaching is a new service we just rolled out and it basically gets you the access to the accountability and the guidance of working with a personal trainer right from the convenience of your phone. So you get the prescribed workouts that you then complete on your own um, with kind of daily check-ins with your trainer. 
So you get to complete those workouts whenever you'd like, instead of having a schedule an in-person session that works for both people's schedules, which sometimes can be pretty challenging, particularly if either party is particularly busy. Um, you get the nutritional guidance via online food logs. So the nutritional component, which is a large part of improving our overall health and fitness and our trainers will help you improve your nutrition very slowly and gradually so we can start to improve the way that we eat. It also gets you access to a private Facebook group that we have just for our clients where we share articles that we've written and kind of other things that we find, tips, videos, advice, things that we don't share to the, to the general public go privately into that Facebook group. And this Facebook group is awesome because it also allows all of the clients to engage with each other, even though they may not see each other. So people can ask questions, they can get advice from other members of the group on problems and getting solutions to things that I might not even be aware of from the trainer side of things. So it's really a great kind of community online that we have. And then there's also the weekly FaceTime strategy sessions, we call them, where you actually sit down with your trainer virtually face-to-face and talk about the challenges of the week and the, the successes and kind of put a game plan together for the week going forward so that we can really keep you on track and keep you going. And so again, the, the big benefit of the online training is you, you can do it from anywhere. You don't have to be local to the Metro Detroit area. And it, it gets you that similar in-person training experience, the accountability, the motivation, the guidance, and the advice at a, a much more affordable price. It's, what I like to compare it to is you pay a, a retainer fee for a lawyer to go to for legal advice whenever you may need it. And it's very similarly with, with our online fitness coaching is you're essentially recruiting us to be your go-to fitness expert whenever you may need us. So you can, if you have a question, you can shoot us a text message or send us an email. Um, if you're really struggling, you reach out to us and we'll, we'll come help you out. Um, if you need a change in your workout, like if you're going out of town for a week and you won't have access to the normal equipment, you let us know. We write you a brand new workout for your vacation. So it's really a kind of a all encompassing, fully comprehensive fitness expert in your pocket, portable, wherever you may need them. So it's a great service. Very cool. And for those people who are maybe uh, listening across the the nation or or even internationally, is this something that people can do internationally or is it limited right now to the United States? You can do this anywhere that you have internet access. So a lot of it happens through the internet, email, and the Facebook group being the biggest. And we do FaceTime calls. So Yeah, anywhere that you have internet access, you can absolutely take advantage of the online coaching. It's a a great tool to have, to have a, and I wish that it was around when I was kind of going through my own personal fitness journey of, uh, I mean, you literally get a fitness expert in your pocket for whenever you may need them. Alex, thank you so much for taking this time this afternoon to talk with us. I really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. If you feel inspired by this story, please share it with a friend. If you'd like to book a free discovery call to talk with an A-Team coach, head to the episode description or visit us at ateamfit.com. That's A-T-E-A-M-F-I-T.com. We'll see you again soon.